So we've been talking about the presence of God as the greatest gift he could give to humanity. When God chose to give a gift, and he thought, what, what is the greatest thing I can give? We could go, um, you know, with the, with the Air, AirPods, is that what they're called? You could do AirPods for everybody, for the world, or he could give himself in the form of Jesus. And he chose his presence. The greatest gift, it's better than anything else out there, because Jesus was able then to walk with people, like side by side, look people in the eye, ask questions, listen, have conversation, put a hand on a shoulder. That's God touching people, interacting with people. What an incredible gift. And we celebrate that. This is what we're celebrating with this, this manger is the birth of Jesus, God coming into the world to interact with human beings. And it also reminds us that we're anticipating Jesus's return, that there's gonna come a day when Jesus will return and come back and we will walk with him again and look him in the eye and feel his hand on our shoulder. That day's coming. He's gonna make all things new. And so we're celebrating the first coming of Jesus, the advent, and we're looking forward to the next. And as we do that, uh, we're, we're talking about a few different aspects of, of what we're looking forward to, what we're anticipating. And today we're gonna talk about uh, joy, anticipating or expecting joy. And as we've mentioned, uh, this, this is not a joyful time for everyone. It can be very difficult if you're missing someone right now, if there's broken relationships or if there's just things in, in your heart or home that make it difficult to celebrate. Uh, we acknowledge that. And what we wanna look forward to is there's, there's coming a time when joy will just be the norm. It'll just be daily life. That's what we're looking forward to. So what scripture talks about when it comes to joy, it connects two concepts together, um, salvation and joy. So for us to really appreciate joy today, I want us to take a close look at, at salvation. And with this, uh, we're gonna have to do some zooming in and zooming out and thinking deeper. Here, let me explain what I mean by that. Some, sometimes we have these categories in our minds where we think of things in terms that are too limited, right? So for, for example, um, if you have ever thought or said that baseball or soccer are slow, boring sports, I would challenge that your view of those two activities is too limited, okay? So it's true that there's not as much scoring and there's not people trying to give other people concussions necessarily in those sports, uh, like your favorite sport. But um, there, if you zoom in to baseball in particular, this is why I like baseball. If you zoom in, to those moments when it looks like nothing's going on, there's actually a lot going on. And that's what I love about it. Uh, you can zoom in and you can find a lot to appreciate and enjoy. It's sort of like what science has done with the human body. If, if you zoom into the human body and you get to see uh, what we're made of on the, on the genetic level, this human genome project and all the things that have come out of that, it's, it's just amazing. And we only learn that when you, when you really zoom in. So sometimes we have to do that. And then sometimes we have to zoom out and we have to think bigger about something. So for many of us as kids, our view of food, what kind of food is good, was pretty small. I mean, for a lot of people, I mean, it's like chicken nuggets and French fries, and that's, you know, that's pretty much it. But hopefully, one of, the, one of the joys of growing is that you get into situations where you have to try new things, and you're forced to eat different foods, and you realize that there's other good food out there besides Chick-fil-A and Oreos. I don't know what they are, but I'm sure there are other good food out there. And your view of food, you zoom out, and you see a bigger picture, and you start to appreciate different things. So we're going to do that. We're going to zoom out today. And then we're going to just think deeper. Sometimes we look at things, and we just make a snap decision by what we see on the surface, and we don't think deeply about something. So if you've ever come across the book, The Old Man in the Sea, you might've just thought, grandpa goes fishing. I'm not that interested in that story. 
But if you would actually get into it and read it, there's so much more happening than grandpa going fishing in this story. So we have to learn to think a little deeper about things, take, take it down another level. So that's what we're gonna do with salvation. We're gonna start with Luke chapter two, uh, verse 10. This is when the angel comes and tells the shepherds about what's happening. Uh, we're gonna read uh, some of this together. Again, if you see something on the screen that's underlined, I invite you to read that aloud with us. Here's what the angel says. Do not be afraid. I bring you for all the people today in the town of David. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So already the angels are connecting this idea of good news of great joy with the Savior, Jesus, salvation. When Jesus, before he's even born, the angel comes to Joseph, um, which this guy has a tough job uh, in this story, but the angel comes to Joseph to share with him about what, what this baby is gonna mean. Here's what the angel says uh, in Matthew chapter one, that she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because right the name Jesus the Hebrew version of that is Yeshua which means God saves the Lord saves his very name means salvation that's why this is good news of great joy is because salvation is coming along with this now we if you've been in the church a while, you might think salvation is a pretty basic concept. And like, I figured that out a long time ago. I got it. I, I, know, I understand salvation. And you probably do. But we're gonna zoom in a little bit today and then zoom out and we're gonna think a little deeper about it. And what I hope is we gain some insight about salvation that brings great joy to our hearts and to our lives, okay? So uh, let's start by zooming in. If we zoom in on the smallest level, salvation is for me. It is. It absolutely is for me. It, it is true that I am a sinner and that I have at multiple times in my life rebelled against God and said, I, I want to be the one to be in charge of my life. I want to be the one who decides what's good and bad, right and wrong. That's me. I want to be in charge. And in that rebellion, I, I am separated from God and I need someone to rescue me. That's what salvation means, rescue. I need to be rescued from this rebellion, this sin, because I can't get out of this cycle by myself. And so that's for me. Jesus died to set me free from that. Um, this is from Peter's sermon in Acts chapter four. He's, he's kind of teaching some people that are religious leaders. Have you ever tried to teach religious leaders? We're a tough crowd. So, but Peter's got this figured out. So here's what Peter says in Acts 4.12. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Peter said, this is it right here. It's all about Jesus coming to save people from their sins. And so that's, that's exactly what happens. We're rescued from the power of sin and death by Jesus, by his sacrifice, by his resurrection, and uh, just by his uh, mission of the kingdom of God. And, and you're invited. You're invited into this salvation journey, okay? I'm calling it a journey, which may sound weird because some of us have, we're kind of raised to think of salvation as a moment. Well, there was a moment when I was not saved and then I was saved, right? But salvation, the way it's talked about in scripture is more of a process. And it includes something that happened in the past, which is the work of Jesus on the cross. That was when our salvation was sealed up and done. The work was done of setting us free. And then there's the present moment, that we have every day when we wake up is to decide, do I trust the work of Christ to set me free? And am I willing to repent from this 
rebellion against God, of deciding I want to be in control? Am I willing to lay that down and let God be the one in control and center my life on Jesus? That's in the present moment. And there's a future sense in which we, we go, I'm, I'm not a finished product yet. Does any, anybody feel like you're, you're totally done? You're perfect? No, no more issues in your world? Man, we're not there yet. And so there's, there's this sense in which my salvation is not complete because salvation means completely healed and whole. And I'm, I am not completely healed and whole. I'm still looking forward to and waiting for that. So my salvation uh, will be complete when Jesus returns and makes all things new. So there's a past, present, and future element to this personal salvation, what it means for me as an individual. That's the zoomed in view of salvation. So now let's zoom out and let's see the picture of scripture that salvation is for all. It's for all creation. And we see this really clearly in the prophets. When the prophets begin to talk about there's a, there's a Messiah coming, God, God recognizes what's going on in the world and he's going to do something about it. There's a Messiah coming. And here's how they talk about the salvation that God is gonna bring. Let's read from Isaiah chapter 51, uh, verses three through six. The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Listen to me, my people, hear me, my nation. Instruction will go out from me. My justice will become a light to the nations. My righteousness draws near speedily. The islands will look to me and wait in hope for my arm. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look at the earth beneath. The heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment and its inhabitants die like flies, but... So we get this picture in the prophets that salvation is coming and along with it is justice. Mentions that a couple of times. But God's view of salvation is not just about individuals being forgiven of sins. It's about justice for those who have been victims of injustice. It's, it's, it's bigger than just what he's doing for me personally. And it's this picture of God looking at the world and recognizing what we've done to it. In, the, in these first few verses that we read, he says that, that Zion is in ruins. Her deserts um, are like Eden or wastelands. Um, her deserts will become like Eden or wastelands like a garden. We've taken this beautiful creation, this global sense of what humanity means on this planet, all that God has made, and we've turned this Eden into a desert. And God is gonna reverse that. So I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of the Atacama Desert in Chile that where it just, it actually just never rains there. But then, then it does, like every now and then, you know, every few years, not even every year, it rains. And when it does, there, there are seeds there that have just laid dormant in the ground. And when that rain hits, they just explode with color and life. And that's what God is looking at, all of creation, humanity included, and just sees what we've done. We've just created a desert, a wasteland. But when he sends his righteousness, that it's, it's gonna bring everything back to life. And that's what he's, he's looking forward to. And then there's another uh, passage from Isaiah I want us to look at because this was actually quoted by Jesus. When Jesus preaches in his hometown of Nazareth, he stands up in the synagogue, the local little gathering there, and he opens this scroll and he reads from this passage. So when Jesus is gonna let people know why he's come, this is what he reads. So let's, let's look at this from Isaiah 61, one to three. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And so when when we zoom out, we see that what Jesus came to do was not just forgive individuals of their sin, but he came to set the captives free, to provide healing and wholeness for those who are wounded and broken. Like Jesus Jesus wants to see all of that happen and salvation encompasses that that holistic view of, of what's going on with humanity and with all of creation. And so when we zoom out, we see a much bigger and really a beautiful picture. If salvation was only about me, it would be easy for me to go through life thinking everything else was about me too. But when we see a holistic picture of salvation, we start to step back and look and go, man, what God is doing in the world is so much bigger than me and I'm invited into it, but it's not really about me. Like I'm invited to be a part of what God is doing and bringing salvation to the whole world. So let's take a minute and think a little deeper about salvation. I want us to see it on a different uh, level. And that is seeing that salvation is just the nature of life in in, in the kingdom of God. That you and I have been invited into God's kingdom and his kingdom is the place where everyone recognizes him as king. So it's where God's rule and reign is absolute. This is what the church is supposed to reflect is the kingdom of God, where God is in charge. Adam's not in charge. Andy's not in charge. Camden's not in charge. God is in charge. This is his kingdom. And in his kingdom, this is where salvation is supposed to be just a way of life. Healing just happens here. Wounded people are made whole here. Broken people are are healed here. Lost people are found. That's what the church is supposed to be and do. Now, again, We're still waiting for the fulfillment of that. It's not perfect yet, but that's what we're supposed to to be. That's the nature of the kingdom of God. Jesus says it in a parable in Matthew chapter 13 like this, really short parable. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a seed. A seed is not a tree. A seed is not a fruit, but it has everything in it needed to produce a tree and fruit, right? It's a promise of something to come. And Jesus says, we take this seed, this promise of what is coming, and when it gets planted in the hearts of human beings, like a church, like a gathering of Jesus followers, and it grows into a tree that produces fruit and provides a a safe harbor and a safe haven for those uh, who need safety, That's what life in the kingdom is supposed to be like. So what you and I should be experiencing on a regular basis as we live Jesus-centered lives is we should see salvation, these acts of healing and wholeness and and rescue and freedom, we should see these happening all around us. And if you did see that, it would bring you a great deal of joy, wouldn't it? That's why scripture, I think, ties joy and salvation together so often. Joy is the normal human response to encountering God's work of salvation either in us or in the world around us. That's what, just, that's what happens when we see what God is doing, um, setting people free, uh, healing uh, those who are wounded and broken. There's great joy in being rescued from sin and death. And there's great joy in seeing people rescued from injustice and slavery and addiction and poverty. There's joy in all of that because all of it is God's work of salvation. Uh, I had a conversation with a friend of mine uh, 
guy I went to school with, uh, that was very encouraging. So, because of our conversations for the last few years have not been very encouraging. He's just been through a lot. Some of it is consequences of his own choices. Um, some of it just life beating him down. But um, our conversations over the last couple of years have involved things like his divorce, uh, his, his spiritual wandering, um, his literal homelessness. Uh, under all of this has been an undercurrent of uh, alcohol abuse. And so I, I talked to him a couple months ago and he, he said, I asked him how he's doing. I always ask how he's doing. And he usually says terrible. And this time he said, great, I'm doing great. I was like, oh, this is new. Uh, what, why are you doing great? He's like, I've been going to AA, um, four months sober. And uh, I, I'm not looking back, man. He's like, I, I'm, this is the path and I'm on it. And it's, I feel so free. That's what he said, I feel free. Now, he's not exactly where I hope he gets to someday, right? He still hasn't surrendered his life to Christ. Uh, he still, I mean, four months sober is, is great, but that's not the end of the road, right? But man, I was celebrating for him in that moment because what I see is God at work saving him, bringing salvation and freedom from addiction. And he's, he's, that leads to freedom from a lot of other things that have been holding him back as well. And I'm so excited for him. Even though, like he's not, he's not to the end of the road yet, I think I get to celebrate with him at this little victory, right, on the journey. It's so beautiful to see that. And it brought me so much joy. And I get to see that a lot. From, from where I get to stand in this church family, I get to see this a lot. I get to see God doing these little works of salvation all over our church family, bringing healing and wholeness and, and what I want is to open my eyes. I wanna see it on a bigger scale. I wanna see it globally as well. I try to avoid the news. I tell you guys this. I try to avoid the news because of how much negativity is out there. But sometimes you, you've gotta engage somehow so that you can see the good stuff that's happening. I mean, evil we get. We get that there's evil out there and we sort of expect it. But when we see these bright spots of really good things happening, those kind of take us by surprise. We go, wow, there, there's life out there. There's beauty out there. There's reason for joy out there. That's the work of God, doing his thing with salvation. This is why I love our partnership with Central India Christian Mission that we're doing during this Advent season where uh, we're hoping to send church planters into this new region uh, because we believe that, that God is wanting to do a work of salvation in this part of India. So I wanna share with you a brief video uh, from some of the leaders of this organization and then we'll wrap up and talk about it here in a minute. I'm Ajay Lal from Central India. I'm standing with our leadership team. These men are involved in church planting, training our evangelists, with discipleship training, and with a lot of management that they need to be doing in order to evangelize this part of the world. We want to talk to you about the state of Gujarat. And this state of Gujarat of India is on the western side and God has recently opened a door for us where we were able to go to Gujarat and also their leaders came here to learn about the basic training, what New Testament church is all about. And uh, we are planning to work there, we are hoping that we will have resources so we are praying the population of Gujarat is Daniel, how much? 64.8 million. 64.8 million and less than 1% people have heard about Jesus. There are millions of people who have never heard about Jesus in Gujarat and we have a great 
opportunity to go to the city, the main capital city of Ahmedabad and start our work, plant our churches, reach the children, reach the people who are living in darkness. So we are excited about this new possibility and we pray that God will provide us resources to do the work and to support the evangelist. Daniel, you were in Gujarat and the evangelist came here. Can you share your experience? Yeah, recently I visited the Gujarat, the city of Ahmedabad and we have four people to whom we have trained about the New Testament Christianity and we are uh, really excited that uh, God has opened a big door for the state of Gujarat. So we want to thank you. The Central India Christian Mission's work has always been reaching out to the people, taking the good news of Jesus Christ, especially in the most difficult areas of India, where there is persecution, where there are extremist groups, where there is a lot of darkness, and especially where people have never heard the name Jesus Christ, where people do not have any Christian witness. So thank you for your concern, and thank you for your love and possibility of the partnership with Central India Christian Mission so we can expand the work, we can go to the unreached areas and we can reach the unreached millions in our generation. Thank you so much. May God bless you. Yeah, awesome. So uh, the main speaker there, Ajay Lal, is the founder of this uh, organization. And uh, Mark Miller, who uh, is with the organization, was here last week, shared with us that Ajay and his family are in hiding right now because of persecution, uh, because there are, there are extremists in the area who really don't want them telling people about Jesus. Um, but we're happy to partner with them, and we continue to encourage you to pray for Ajay and his family, uh, that they'll uh, be safe and be free from that very soon. But one thing I, I want to point out that they don't talk about in this particular video, but if you go to their website, you'll see a lot of this, is that missionaries don't just evangelize. They, they don't just give a verbal message that Jesus loves you and, and, and uh, wants to bring you into his kingdom. They do that, but missionaries also look at all the other ways that um, God wants to bring salvation, a holistic salvation to a group of people. So they may go in and, and see areas where uh, they, they need help with education and, they, and they're prepared to do that. They may, need, they may see a need for healthcare um, resources and they, and they may do that. They, they may see a need. Uh, anywhere there's spiritual darkness, you're gonna, you're gonna have addictions and abuse and, and brokenness in relationships and they go in and they provide uh, support in all of those areas. So missionaries just... Uh, Typically, this is what they do around the world. And so as I was talking to Andy, our, our, you know, our associate pastor who was a missionary for uh, many years in Africa, and I lost his notes here. Oh no, Andy. Oh, there it is. And so I, I just talked to Andy about uh, what, what does this look like for missionaries to have a holistic view of salvation for people? Here's, here's some of what he said. The transformative power of the gospel not only assures our eternity in God's presence, but seeks to heal brokenness wherever it is found. This is why missionaries engage in some kind of tangible ministry alongside their teaching and evangelism activities. It's hard for people to believe in the love of Jesus unless they first experience the love of Jesus through his people. And so this is what missionaries do. So I'm really proud to be a part of what Central India Christian Mission is doing. So let me update you real quick on how we're doing with our planting presence initiative. 
Um, our goal is $10,800, which will allow us to send three church planters into that area that he was talking about in the video um, next year. Their projection is that one church planter will plant four churches and see 800 people come to Christ in one year. And we wanna send three. $10,800 is the goal. Uh, so far, you have given $9,500. So we're really close. Good job. Man, I'm so proud of our, our church family. Um, the mindset that we've taken with this is like the best gift that we can give to people in our lives is our presence, just being engaged, undivided attention. So maybe the money that we spend on them in other ways doesn't communicate love and value as much as just being present. So maybe we'll spend a little less on gifts and invest a little more in presence and a little more in this, something like this that um, allows salvation, a, a holistic view of salvation to come to a group of people that uh, are living in darkness. So thank you so much for that. We still need uh, more support and more help. So I encourage you to give uh, to that if you haven't yet. You can do that through our app and just choose the Planting Presence campaign, or you can just write a check and, and write Planting Presence on that. We invite you to do that. But what I want us to see is that being a part of something like this helps widen our view of salvation. We get to zoom out and we get to see what God is doing, not just here, not just in these pews or in our community or in your neighborhoods, but all the way over in India where God is at work because he loves all people and uh, he's sending people there uh, to bring a light into the darkness. And we get to be a part of that. And to me, that's so exciting and a reason for joy, right? Whenever our natural response, when we see God's work of salvation, either on an individual level or globally, is joy. So joy makes you want to sing, doesn't it? You guys ready to sing? Why don't you stand up and let's, let's sing and let's remember that, that God who brings salvation can give us reasons for joy even in the midst of darkness. Let's sing together. <laughs> 